Thank you for joining us for Working Through the Word, a ministry of the Richmond Church of Christ. Let's join our pulpit minister, Mike Johnson, as he brings today's lesson. So, did you look in the mirror this morning before you left home? Is that a regular habit? Is that something you enjoy doing? Or do you just do it because you have to? I think most of us do it because we have certain fears. We don't want to be caught looking in a certain way and seeing certain things. And we don't want our hair sticking straight up and going crazy. And so we take a little time. Do you plan what you're going to wear? Do you coordinate outfits? I mean, we do a whole lot of things that are built upon how others look at us and how they perceive us as they run into us every day. We're concerned about that, and I think rightfully so. When was the last time you looked into the perfect law of liberty? Not just to read, not just to say, I have read this book or I've read this many chapters, but rather to say, I want to compare this spiritual person to this standard. I think we're pretty good at reading. I think most of us are pretty good at saying, on somewhat of a regular basis, I'm reading through the Bible. I'm studying these topics. I'm do but I wonder how many of us spend regular time doing a spiritual checkup. Well, every now and then I think we need to do that. And so today I propose that we do that. By the use of a word this morning and this evening, we're going to talk about and think about the concept of standing. Tonight we're standing on the promises. The promises that God has made and how they support and sustain us. But this morning, to consider the opposite of that, are we standing on the premises? The idea is really simple. We're here. We're on the premises. This is the point at which I was going to just have you stand for the rest of the sermon, but I changed my mind. I want you to notice the contrasting differences today between those who are satisfied with standing on the premises contrasted by those who stand on the promises. In the first place, think with me about standing. Standing is a mark of maturity in physical life. I just spoke at the Northside Church in Mayfield, Kentucky on Wednesday night. Just so happens that I have two grandchildren there. <laughs> <laughs> 
And so I stayed an extra day or two, you know, just because they needed me, right? So Hudson is a year old. And every now and then, his parents and even I would grab his hands and get him to try to stand up and start walking. Why? Because standing up is a sign of maturity. You're getting, move, you're moving along in your physical growth. You're at a point now where you don't have to crawl anymore. It's time to stand up. And maybe sometimes we start forcing the issue a little bit. Because I've heard mothers compare, oh, my child walked when they were eight months old. Well, my child didn't walk till they were 18 months old. Well, my child isn't walking now at 12. Am I in trouble? Do I need to go see a doctor? I mean, think about it. That's how we do things, right? Well, it's all about the standing. Well, standing is also a real image of Christianity. The Bible talks about standing. Think with me for just a minute of what the Bible says about standing before God. First of all, Paul said the reason for our standing is the faith. 1 Corinthians 16 verse 13. Stand in the faith. That's why we stand. There's a reason for it. There is a faith that demands that we do stand. Paul also said that the focus of our standing is the Lord. While we're standing, we're focusing on Jesus. Philippians 4 and 1, 1 Thessalonians 3 and verse 8, stand in, stand fast in the Lord. There is an attention to our standing. Pay attention, 1 Corinthians 16 and verse 13. Watch, be brave, and be strong while standing in the faith. Paul goes on to say that there is a goal for our standing. Why are you standing? Stand fast in the liberty by which Christ has made you free and do not become entangled again in a yoke of bondage. Our goal is to be free. We stand so that we will be free. The other side of that is if I don't keep standing, then I'm not free. There is substance to our standing. 2 Thessalonians 2 and verse 15. Stand fast in the traditions that you have received from us, whether by word or by our epistle. There is substance. We stand fast in this tradition of the teaching that Paul has given, is what he said. This idea of standing has so many facets to it. 
The idea of being a soldier in an army and standing firm to face what is coming in opposition to turning and running. The idea of standing up in the face of persecution to say, you're not going to beat me. I'm going to stand here even if you take my life. So standing is an image that I can relate to as it pertains to the Christian life. Paul then made my standing and your standing a group thing. Stand fast with one spirit and one mind. Philippians 1 and 27. Paul is then telling us as a church we should stand. We should face whatever comes. We don't need to run and turn. We need to be mature enough not to crawl as a church. But rather we're standing and we have a solid foundation on which we stand. Standing is a great concept and image for Christianity. But sometimes some Christians are satisfied merely to stand on the premises. What I mean is this. Sometimes Christians are satisfied just to look a certain way. Just to give off a certain impression. But are they really standing with God? Let me give you four thoughts that come from Scripture about those who would stand on the premises. We begin in Romans chapter 2, where Paul was writing about the Jewish people. And he said in chapter 1 of the book of Romans, the Gentiles, they're sinners, yes, because they knew God. They saw him in creation, but they did not honor him like he should have been honored. They're guilty. And you can almost see the Jews reading this. And maybe they're standing in the corner and they're cheering. Go get them, Paul. Those nasty, dirty Gentiles. You tell them who they are. And then he turns right around in chapter 2 and he says, oh, wait a minute. You who boast, don't you do the same things? And he says to these Gentiles, these, I mean to these Jews, the Gentiles, when they do by nature the things of the law, they bear witness with their own conscience. That is, there are some natural things that the Gentiles do, even though they don't follow. They have the Old Testament law. You had the law. You had an identification of what God said was right and wrong, and yet you don't do it. Let me tell you what they stood on. And he goes down in the chapter and he says, You 
who are of the circumcision. It becomes uncircumcision to you if you don't practice what the law says. Here's where the Jews were just satisfied by standing on the premises of the idea of the act of circumcision. Because we are people who practice circumcision, we are accepted by God. They relied on that. And certainly it was something that God commanded, but notice what they did. They turned it into some kind of an identity that made them secure in their own minds whether or not they were keeping the law accurately. Might we be guilty of the same? Could we be guilty of standing on the premises of some act that sort of gives us this self-confidence and this idea with, and we overlook what flows from it? The Bible teaches that if we are not baptized into Jesus Christ, we're lost. That's what it teaches. And we stand on that. But is it possible sometimes that Bible-believing Christians stand on the act of baptism in the same way that the Jews stood on the act of circumcision? And the way they did it canceled out the circumcision. It would then follow that if we stand in the same way on baptism, does our failure to follow it cancel out the act? In other words... Can I have the attitude that says, I've been baptized into Jesus, therefore, I'm good. I don't have to do anything else. I'm set. It's determined. It's over. I'll stand on that. There's more to the Christian life than merely saying, I was baptized. As necessary as that is, there is a follow-up. There is a life to live growing out of that act. The Jews failed it. Maybe sometimes as Christians we do too. Number two. In 3 John, John writing said, I wrote this epistle to you, but Diotrephes who loves to have the preeminence among them, refused us. And he goes on to say, he cast the brethren out, and he won't listen, and he has malicious words to say. Diotrephes was standing on the premises. He was among them. 
He was a member of that church, whatever church it was. And in that membership of that church, he was satisfied. But here is what he stood on. I'll tell you what faithfulness is. And everybody has to live up to my standard of faithfulness. And so Diotrephes was deciding, this person, you're out. Because I do not judge you faithful. Sometimes Christian people can do that. We can be of such a nature as to say, because I'm a baptized believer and because I accept the Bible, then I know what is right. And I'm going to tell you that if you don't do what I say to do, you are not faithful and I'm going to kick you out. Oh, I do believe that there is a thing in Scripture called church discipline. There are times when a brother or a sister is in so, such a bad condition before God and it is so obvious to everybody that that person needs to be disciplined to say, straighten up. We can't continue to have Christian fellowship with you if you don't straighten up. But it's not my job to decide what all faithfulness is about. It's not your job. And yet there are some Christians who pat themselves on the back and say, I know what faithfulness is. And that's my standing. Third, the Corinthians were told in 1 Corinthians. Paul said, I've heard about this. Some of you say, I was baptized by Apollos, or I was baptized by Cephas, or I was baptized. You shouldn't be this way. Yes, they were baptized believers, and they were agreeing with the faith as written in Scripture, but they were counting on their connection to a certain individual. And because that individual's name was called, that's why I know I'm right with the Lord, and I'll stand on that. I've said many times, you do me no favors. I do not consider it a compliment for you to rest your faith on me. I don't want you to do that. I don't want you merely to say, well, if Mike says it, it must be right. Or if Mike says it, it must be wrong. I have no problem with you saying, well, Mike said it's right. Oh, let's see what Scripture says. Well, I agree. Well, then you're just agreeing with me on Scripture. We cannot be people whose faith stands on another individual, connected to people trumpeting certain names that are so important and so much better than everybody else. And we can become deluded to think that because I agree with this person, then that's my badge that I'm a Christian. When merely I would be standing on the premises of Christianity. And that's not the way things ought to be. Finally, number four, 
the Pharisees. The Pharisees, as was read in the text, were people who had such a religiosity about them that they would pray in public with someone blowing a horn to get everybody's attention so they could show how great was their prayer life as they would utter these massive prayers in the sight of everyone. They also enjoyed throwing a lot of money in the pot for everybody to see what they were giving. These were people whom Jesus said in Matthew 23, they sit in Moses' seat. Therefore, observe what they command you to do, but do not do according to their works, because they say and do not. Some Christians might be satisfied with standing on their own status, which is nothing more than standing on the premises. I have known of preachers who were so arrogant and so conceited at their position and their standing that they were merely on the premises. I have known some Bible class teachers who were so enamored with their ability to teach a Bible class and people flocked to their classes that they would become unhinged and out of balance their own abilities. I've seen it in elders. I've seen it in parents. I've seen it in young people. When your status is so important to you and you are so convinced of your standing, then you are one who's standing on the premises. In closing, I think this is what James was writing about in James chapter 2. James said, number one, you can have faith, but if you don't have works to accompany it, that faith will not save you. I have known of a situation in my past where someone who had decided not to be faithful to God would still teach others that this is the right way to go. What? This faith that they can say and spout off and give all kinds of facts to and yet do nothing connected to what those facts teach. Can you be saved by faith? Without works, James says no. In fact, he says, if you have that kind of faith, you are no better than the demons. The demons believe and tremble. They know what's coming. 
and they are afraid. Can Christians have that kind of faith? I think so. But faith with works has always been God's focus. It was true in the garden. James says it was true with Abraham. It's true with every situation of faithfulness. It's not just about how many facts you can spout. It's about the life that you live. For instance, Bible bowls throughout decades have been very popular at certain times, less popular at others. Right now, we're in a time with lads to leaders where there is a Bible bowl and they've begun studying for the Bible bowl. I have known of kids who would have an almost perfect score in the Bible bowl fact competitions, but whose life was nowhere close to what Christianity teaches. In closing, I have a question for you. Imagine that you are on trial today. And here's the charge. Someone has taken you to court and charged you as being a Christian. Will there be enough evidence to convict you? That's the question. Will there be enough evidence to convict me that I'm a Christian? Or am I merely standing on the premises? Physically, do I just appear in the building for worship? But really, there's nothing else that connects me to the Lord. Oh, it looks good. I looked in the mirror and I put on some good clothes. I've got my Bible. I'm sitting with my family. It looks in every respect like a faithful Christian. But if I'm not living it, if it's not changing my life, if Christianity is not my life, then standing in these premises will not save me in the end. Let us take an evaluation of ourselves today and declare, if I've been guilty of standing on the premises. I now want to stand on the promises of God. And we'll think about those tonight. We hope you enjoyed today's broadcast brought to you by the Richmond Church of Christ. We are located at 1500 Lancaster Road in Richmond, Kentucky. We meet on Sunday mornings for Bible class at 9 a.m., followed by our morning worship service held at 10 a.m. Our Sunday evening service is held at 6 p.m., 
and our midweek Bible study is held on Wednesday at 7 p.m. If you are in the area, we would love to have you as our honored guest. Thanks for listening.